You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. Today we are speaking with Marcel Pedapar from Parakeeto and a whole bunch of other stuff that you're about to learn. And we're going to be talking agency profitability. That might sound a little bit vague, but you're going to uh, learn a little bit about that as we go. Um, obviously, everyone wants to be more profitable, so an exciting topic for agencies. Marcel, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, James. It's a pleasure to be here. I uh, just going through your like bio earlier and I was quite impressed because uh, <laughs> I see that you are the head strategic coach at SAS Academy. And I saw that and I was like, what, like the SAS Academy uh, from Dan Martel? Now that is impressive, man. Well, um, I'm very fortunate that I've had people like Dan in my life for quite some time. I've had the opportunity to have a lot of doors opened for me and to have some pretty big challenges early on in my career. So, um, you know, because of all that, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be put in a position where I get to help other people with the stuff that I've learned uh, from folks like that. Yeah, that is super cool. So, I mean, we are probably in somewhat similar spaces here, uh, the SaaS and agency space at the same time. Um, interesting little combo. I actually gave a talk on a uh, um, recurring revenue retreat last year in Disney World, of all places. It was quite cool. I'd never been there before. And the first you got to give I me go, an invite to that. <laughs> yeah, right, man. I was like, oh, I get to speak at Disney World? Like, this is insane. Um, holy shit, it was expensive though. Wow, I, the amount of money people burn at Disney World. Like that is a lesson in branding where people are just happy to like throw all their money at something that like, <laughs> to me, it seems not, not that amazing. Anyway, totally other topic, but I gave a talk on how agency owners are in a really good position to create SaaS products because they, they're exposed to so many problems from their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, Totally other topic. I might link that up in the show notes, though, if anyone is interested. It's um, just available now on my YouTube. Um, yeah. A shameless plug for myself. We, we've had several episodes on the Agency Profit Podcast, which is a podcast mm. that I host that you've also been a guest on, uh-huh. James, uh, talking about that topic. We've, we've interviewed quite a few agency owners that have transitioned to product. So, uh, happy to provide some links to that as well. Yeah, it's, it's funny. So many, absolutely, by the way, don't, I'm um, happy you did the shameless plug. Um, I'm <laughs> very bad at doing things like that. I know I need to promote my guests more, not just at the end. <laughs> but uh, look, man, you're, you're doing a lot of cool things. And that was such a fun, fun interview, which I will absolutely link up as well. We talked about um, automation and stuff. So let's, I um, can't remember where I was going with that, but let's um, talk agency profitability. And I guess a little bit about what that means for you and, and how you got started in this, like, cause I know you coach agencies on this. I do. Yeah. So, um, you know, the way that we, so, so to give everyone a little bit of context, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Parakeeto. And we set out about two and a half years ago now to solve this problem that it's really hard for agencies to answer basic questions that they're asking themselves every day. Things like, did we actually make money on this project? 
that we ran? Are we utilizing our team properly? Do we like, do we have enough capacity for this new project that's coming in? When do we need to hire new people? You know, all these questions about the internal mechanics of the business are notoriously hard to answer without spending a ton of time in spreadsheets and combining data from all kinds of different places. So we knew that to your point, James, the best way to solve that problem was going to be to start consulting around it to really get intimate with the problem. And that would lead us to, you know, validating product in in that time frame uh, of two years, which ended up being the case with a lot of trial and error. And what we've learned over that time period is that you know, so many agencies are great at doing creative work. So many agencies are great at marketing themselves, which is, you know, I would hope so because they're often helping their agency, their agency clients do that. Often um, they so are not great. though. Often they are not. Yeah, that, that's also <laughs> true. But the ones that I work with typically are high growth. And the problem that I help them solve is that, you know, we've got these clients coming in, we're busy as hell. And yet when I go to my bank account, we don't have any money. We're struggling to make payroll. Like, why is this happening? Yeah. And what I really help them figure out is what is the system that you have to deliver results to your clients? And how can we make that more efficient so that you're able to earn your revenue with less expense? Because I think what a lot of people don't realize about the agency or any service business for that matter, no matter what you sell, if it's landscaping or websites, is that Unlike a product business where your cost is there when you produce the inventory, your inventory is time and that cost is variable on every project. So as soon as you sell revenue, it doesn't belong to you yet. You have to earn it and earning it costs money and it costs money based on how much time is invested to earn that revenue and, and how many external expenses are invested. And there are a lot of agencies that get to this kind of first growth ceiling when they figured out how to acquire clients, but their cash flow is poor because they haven't really taken the time to implement the feedback loops that are required to make investments in making that process more efficient over time. And that's really what I help them do. Yeah, nice. And I mean, it's such a, we went through exactly that, right? The, that situation you described where, you know, you're doing all this work and then why well, is there no money in the bank? Like this makes no <laughs> sense. So like, I think every agency at some point goes through that um, or comes close to it. It's, it's something that um, I find a lot of agencies don't focus on optimizing the back end because they don't see it as a cost, especially when you're a freelancer. It's like in the early days, you might have a couple of people. It's not as big of a deal right because it's just your time there's like you're not paying another human to do the work yeah. so you don't realize that cost as much mm-hmm. um but because it's something i see with content snare all the time right because that's we have a we have a product that helps people save time and optimize their process versus like get more clients i feel like getting more clients is easy to like sell it right it's like you made right. one client because of our system that's worth five grand 10 grand, like you've paid for it right away. But people often don't value their time in the same way, depending on like who you talk to mm. like in the agency. But yeah, it's just something I find a lot um, that people struggle with that, like the value of time thing, uh, which in the end is what kills profitability. Man, it's so crazy because for some people, actually getting more clients could be the thing that kills their business. That's the, mm. the the danger of a service business is if your machine is not efficient, you can actually exacerbate your cash flow problems by getting more clients more quickly. And when you take the time to focus on profitability, the impact that that can have on the bottom line is unbelievable. I mean, you know, I do when I do my talks, I go through examples of this, but like 
depending on where you're at for a typical agency that's doing a few million dollars in revenue, like a 5% increase in just utilization of your team could result in, you know, over a 50% increase in your bottom line profitability, sometimes even 80%, just depending on how that's modeled. It's pretty nuts how much of an impact that can have on your pocketbook at the end of the day as an owner of the business versus getting more clients. Can you walk through an example of that? Um, if that's I'm not putting you on the spot too much, just to like make it really clear. Like I can see, cause I've got, I've been through an exercise like this before, so I can kind of understand, but just for people like, just, to, you know, can you walk through an example? Yeah. So actually, um, while we're talking about this, um, I'm going to pull up some slides from a talk that I did recently where I actually have a case <laughs> study that I go through um, specifically around this. Yeah. Perfect. Um, but essentially, the idea here is like, let, let's imagine that we've got this kind of typical agency. Um, you know, they've got about 20 people on the team that might be doing a few million dollars in revenue and their utilization is about 60%. So that means that on an annual basis, after all the vacation time and sick time and holidays and all the gaps in between projects, their teams utilize at about 60%. Um, if they were to increase that by just 5%, so that means just 5% of their team's total time goes towards things that actually get them paid and they maintain their average billable rate. I mean, depending on what their average billable rate is in this case, we're talking about a bottom line profitability improvement of, you know, they go from, in this case, about 10% annually up to almost 18%. So that's an 8% bump to the bottom line, which represents almost 100% increase mm -hmm. in net profitability off of just a 5% time increase, which if you do the math on that, you know, at 40 hours a week for every individual employee, it's, it's just over an hour a week of extra time that, you know, you're keeping them utilized over mm. an annual basis. It's really not that much. So these little details, you know, we often overlook them when we're looking at the business, but they matter and they make a massive impact to the bottom mm. line. And, you know, what I try to help people do is get the feedback loops in place in their business so that they can see this information and then become empowered to do something about it. Sweet. So, how do we change that? How do we add that 5%, right? Like that's, what do totally. we, what do we need to focus on as an agency to, to fix that? Yeah. So the, there's a fundamental feedback loop that every agency should have in place. And really, if you think about this pragmatically, it makes perfect sense. Every time that you quote work for a client, no matter how you price it, whether it's project-based, whether it's hourly, whether it's retainers, you're going to make a set of assumptions when you put a proposal in front of that client about how much time it's going to take you, what kind of people you need to execute on that, what kind of external contractors or external costs you might be factoring in. You're going to make a whole bunch of assumptions. And then what we need to do after that is measure were our assumptions accurate or not. Right? Because one mm -hmm. of two things is typically going to happen. Either they're wildly inaccurate in a good way. We took us way less time than we thought it was going to. But more often than not, it's going to be inaccurate in a bad way, which is mm -hmm. this didn't go as planned. It took us way more time. It cost us way more money. And what we want to do is measure the delta between those two things and then use that to inform a series of reports and meetings with our team where we use that information to ask why. Why did this project not go the way that we planned? And that's where we surface insights about our process and what needs to change about our process to start closing the gap between our assumptions and reality. And that feedback loop should inform specific process improvements that with this process, we should be able to actually make decisions about what's gonna produce the highest return on investment for us mm. based on the data that we're seeing in our projects. And over time, that should create assumptions that are more in line with reality. And when we have assumptions, that are more in line with reality, what ends up happening is we have more profit, 
because we're planning for profitability from the start. And we have way more predictability, which makes it so much easier to predict cash flow, to hire people at the right time, to do resource planning, to make sure your team's not working late because you thought this project was going to take 100 hours and it took 200. And guess what? The deadline's not moving. So where did those 100 hours go? Evenings and weekends, of course. So Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to prevent. And that fundamental feedback loop of assumptions, actuals, qualitative, quantitative feedback from the team, and then process improvements goes around and around and around. And and if you can build that into your operational model as a business, then it will tune itself and you can teach your team to tune your business for you over time, which is a beautiful thing. So that's the the fundamentals of it at the core. Absolutely. I love this. Um, There's one core thing, though, that is a prerequisite to all of this that I know a lot of people in this space (laughs) don't do, and that's track their time effectively there and their team's time. So I just figured... That's, you know, you can't do any of this if you don't know exactly how long projects are taking. Like, do you have any suggestions around like how people can get started time tracking? Because there is a bit of resistance to it, right? Like it's, it's not something you just go, okay, this is easy. Like you just start tracking time. I mean... Yeah. It depends what systems you're using. You know, like now a lot of project management systems have been built time tracking. So it's quite mm-hmm. simple to track time against individual uh, steps in the project, which I imagine is, is very, very important to so you can see which steps are eating that time. Do you have any frameworks or tips here? Yeah, I've got. Yes, this is actually something that I've been talking about a lot recently. So first of all, you're right. Um, I believe that every agency should track time. I don't believe that most agencies should bill for time. It's probably not the right way to maximize the, the value and the pricing. But time time tracking, I think, has this bad rap because it comes from a world where you were billing the client for time and that the yeah. purpose of it was for billing. But what the reality is that that's shifted. People aren't doing that anymore. And I think that's great. Value-based pricing, I, I believe, for most agencies is the way to go. But time is your most valuable internal resource. It's the biggest cost on your PL. It's 40 to 65% of your PL guaranteed month in and month out. And so it would be wildly irresponsible not to track that as an agency owner. That's mm-hmm. like not tracking the cost of producing an iPhone for Apple. It's just they could never do something like that. Yeah. This is exactly the same thing. It's your inventory. You, you've got to measure it. So th- that's whatever. That's a controversial subject, but that's my stance on it. Now, I understand the time tracking can be a pain in the butt. And what a lot of people get caught up in is like, well, the time tracking data is not going to be perfect. So if it's not going to be perfect, then what's the point in doing it? And the reality is 80%, 70%, even 60% accurate timesheets are still more useful as directional data than no timesheets. Because Mm -hmm. remember, you're going to surface most of the insights about where to improve your process from having conversations with your team. And this data is really just a guidepost for you to figure out like, where are these deltas between what we think is going on and what's actually going on when we code a project. Um, So that's the first thing I'll say. Now, when it comes down to actually setting this infrastructure up in your business, one thing to watch out for is lining up your estimation process with your time tracking data. I think a gap that often exists for agencies is they have this process for estimation where they're thinking about it by role or they're thinking about it by service lines, like how much design time do we need or how many designers. And then when they go and track their time in their project management tool, the data is structured in a completely different way. And then when you're trying to reconcile that it's, it's a huge pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes this is why I typically don't love, project management integrated time tracking tools because they can create vertical silos in the data. So I'll give you a perfect example of this. If your time tra- if your time tracking philosophy is we want to estimate and track time at service level. So how many design hours, how many copywriting hours, how many development hours? Cool. But then you go into let's call it ClickUp for example, great project management tool, but 
your philosophy for project management is task-based. Well, now you're going to track time against a bunch of different tasks that don't map to a service line. And sometimes, depending on what your naming conventions are, it's a whole other level of complexity, you might have tasks that are the same across projects, but they're named different things. So now Mm -hmm. when you go to do a horizontal analysis on that data, you can't get any insight. So it creates a problem. This is why I often like getting a standalone time tracking tool. I love Harvest for this reason, just because it makes it easy to do the two most important things about time tracking, which is compliance, getting people to actually track their time. And you do that by making it easy for them, Mm -hmm. giving them a way to set it up so it fits with their habits. And the second one is structure. And you know, basically Harvest gives you unlimited ways to skin the cat in terms of how you structure your data and allows you to decouple it from whatever the project management philosophy is that you're using. And when you have the ability to do those two things independently, then project management doesn't have to make concessions for data structure reasons. And you can get the clean data that you need that aligns to your estimates. So you can actually get insight from it and get value from it, which is the whole purpose of this exercise to begin with. So that's a long rant. Clearly I've had this discussion a couple of times. Hey, no, dude, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. I, and like you touched on something there, like getting people to time track, including yourself, it's got to be easy, Mm -hmm. right? This is like a big, you know, thing I'm always on about with like content snare, right? Like, or like the process of getting content from clients or getting anything from clients, like the process has got to be easy for them because like, if it's not easy, it won't get done. Like that's literally how it is. You know, like, um, I'm going through a process like my, um, like renewing our insurance right now. And our insurance guy is like really on this, like trying to make it really easy for me to, to renew our like professional liability insurance for the year or whatever. And I'm just like, God, I wish everyone did this, you know, like made it, made it easy for me. Um, same with time tracking. I can just, if you make it a pain in the ass, they won't do it. Right. And I use toggle as well because it's a simple um, external time tracking tool. Just, just for my personal stuff, you know, like, um, and I put it into, categories like you're talking about like almost like service layers um just so i know where my time's going and where i can become more efficient um you know like tracking that i'm mucking around with email or like podcasts and that kind of thing so i don't know it's it's the way i do it because i find it easier so it's good to have that reiterated um by you. Um, I'm very happy you went on that rant. (laughs) And I have one more thing to say about this, which is I think a lot of people don't understand the purpose of time tracking. And a lot of people's teams don't understand the purpose of time tracking. And so they resent it because their perception of time tracking is to, you know, pay attention to if they're working hard enough and micromanage what they're working on and how much time they're spending on things. And the reality is the purpose of tracking time is to make the business more successful and more predictable. And that should benefit everybody in the organization, including your team. So if you can actually come to them and say, look, this is how we're using the data and this is why, you know, it's going to benefit you. We're going to be able to make more accurate estimations. That means less time in the evenings and weekends for you to stay late and work on Mm -hmm. projects that we missed scoped. It means more profit sharing at the end of the year or you know if that's not in the cards like maybe we put a kombucha tap in the office i don't know whatever you're into (laughs) right more perks better benefits like that's what it means for them and so that's their contribution to the success of the business and if it's framed that way anybody in the organization would be out of their mind to not at least understand that it's valuable for them they might still find it to be a pain in the ass but there's a lot of things you're asking them to do that are probably a pain in the ass and at least this one will make sense to them which in a lot of cases it doesn't at the beginning that's awesome. So once you've got your data, uh, how, how, like, how do we measure? How do we do this cycle you were talking about before? How do we compare it against 
our estimates, assuming we did an estimate, there's another a whole other topic that you probably should be <laughs> estimating, not just taking a stab when pricing projects. Um, yeah. So how do we how do we do that cycle? Uh, how do we measure the difference? And what are some benchmarks that we should be aiming for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great questions. Okay, let's start to unpack this a little bit. So mm. first and foremost, what are the kind of the indicators that we're looking for? Um, so if we're looking at just like project health, we need to have some kind of project profitability metric uh, in place. And there's two ways to do that. Really, there's gross margin, which is generally done in your accounting tool. And that's really just a function of how much revenue did you bring in? What was your kind of pass through revenue. So that'd be ad spends, you know, print budgets, external contractors, things like that. You pull that out. That gets you to a figure that we like to call adjusted gross income or adjusted gross revenue. So that's like the money that belonged to you as a business. And then what we want to do is calculate either your gross margin or your average billable rate, which measures how efficiently were you able to earn that revenue. And we do that by essentially taking the cost of your team's time and subtracting that out. So Basically, that's done by saying, how much time did it take your team? How much do I pay my team? How many hours am I buying of their time on an annual basis? For most people, it's 2,080 hours a year, which is 40 times 52 weeks. Um, And that gets you to a cost per hour for each individual. And you multiply that by the amount of time they spent on the project. And the goal here is to be at 50 to 75% gross margin on your projects. If you do that, that leaves you enough room to have healthy overhead as a business and still net enough profit to cash flow your growth, which typically I'm, I'm getting my clients to aim for between 20 and 30% net at the end of the year, you know, before major bonuses or, or profit distributions out to uh, founders. So that's kind of what you're aiming for. So gross margin, you do that in your accounting tool. But the simplest thing to do, honestly, I think is calculate your average billable rate. And that's such an easy number to figure out. It's just like, how much time did it take us? And how much money do we make? You divide those things and that gives you your actual hourly rate. So like most people listening to this, they probably have a sense of like, oh, well, we try to make 150 bucks an hour. That's great. This is an easy way for you to figure out like, what are we actually making? And then benchmark projects against each other and start to look for patterns and like, what kind of projects are we doing well on? Are we not doing well on? And again, guide the conversation about why, um, you know, you are or aren't achieving the goals that you want. So that's pretty critical. Um, number two is health of the business. Utilization is really, really key. And utilization is simply how much of your team's time is being used for things that you get paid for. And typically what you want to target is on a weekly basis for most billable roles, you're anywhere from 80 to 95% billable. So that's, you know, like 30 to 36 38 hours a week, depending on what the role is. And net, you're probably looking at about 65%, maybe 70% on an annual basis. That's after they take their vacations and they go on holiday and all that good stuff. Um, So there's some benchmarks for utilization. Those are really kind of the two most key um, metrics that you can track. If you can track those two metrics, it'll give you a lot of insight into the efficiency of your business as it relates to earning revenue. And if you can maintain those kind of benchmarks, then your bottom line should be pretty healthy um, at the end of the day. In terms of like, what should my average billable rate be? You generally want it to be above 2.5 times your average hourly cost for direct labor. So for example, if your average employee costs you 30 bucks an hour, you want to at least 2.5 X that. So we're talking 60, 70, $75, $85. Am I doing the math right? Oh, Something probably. like that. Yeah. <laughs> an hour, <laughs> yeah uh, is- as an average billable rate, but typically you're targeting like three to five X as kind of your baseline, which again, gives you enough margin to get your overhead in and, and do well. Um, so that's like benchmarks kind of key metrics. Um, 
Yeah, that one's a really helps. good if, one to work from, though, right? Like that, because people probably do know how much they're paying their staff, I would hope. <laughs> so, yeah. like, that is a really good place to start, I feel, because it's, it's very simple, all right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know how much you're paying your staff. Um, so, you need, you have, then you can calculate your benchmark of what you should be making per hour for each staff member, which you can start rolling into your quotes, like, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you guys want, uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, that's a lot of stuff that he just said that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in my car or I'm at the gym and I can't write it all down. I have a checklist that you can download. It's in a toolkit. Um, it's got all these metrics that I talked about, benchmarks uh, for them, the formula on how to calculate them, all that stuff. Uh, if you just go to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit, you can grab it there and uh, get it in your inbox. Yeah, awesome. And I will link that up in the show notes as well. Um, I also assume that Parakeeto can help with calculating these numbers. <laughs> well, one day it will. Right now, what Parakeeto really helps you do is create data-driven estimates based on your historical performance in seconds instead of, you know, it typically takes hours. Basically, what we do is um, we connect to your time tracking tool, we pull in all your historical projects, and when a new one is coming up, you can say, okay, here's five you know, projects that look similar to this one. And then it will automatically use an algorithm to show you the relationship between time and cost and allow you to basically adjust hours for each role and see exactly how your assumption today compares to your actual performance on previous projects. And in the future, we will totally be building additional features to help you understand all the things that I just talked about. So if you're interested in getting access to our beta, I don't know when this is going to air, maybe a couple of weeks, it will be open by the time this airs. So come on over, get in our beta program and you can get a lifetime discount on all of our products uh, just for being early to the game. There you go. That'll be at parakeeto.com. Now, um, there's one thing if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that's all well and good, but I don't have the time data. Start tracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like number one here. Um, we need to reiterate that. Um, it's, yeah. It's just one it's of those pretty things. simple. Like, all right. Yeah, that's right. And, like, and especially really, you go, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Especially right now where, where everyone's working from home, like your, your team is still adjusting to that. You've got an opportunity right now to implement new processes and procedures. So like if there was ever a time to try and do this, now's the time. Boom. There you go. Uh, I think that is a great place to leave this there. Like you said, there's been, you did say a lot of stuff and um, <laughs> like, I love that we've like condensed this into like not very long of an episode or like interview. Um, yet there's so much epic, actionable, helpful stuff in there. So Marcel, I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing all of this stuff with our audience. My pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on the show and I hope everyone got some value from it. Oh, they absolutely did. Uh, if you guys have enjoyed this episode, please share it with another agency owner you think would benefit. Uh, if you know someone who isn't tracking yet or has said that exact line where I'm doing all this work and I have no money in the bank account, they're probably an ideal person to share it with. So yeah, please uh, please share it or leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. That's it. And I'll see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.